0: you're listening to my wedding season the podcast i'm your host ida glovik i photographed intimate weddings and elopements in europe this is the show where i provide over one wedding photographers with the inspiration tools and resources needed to build a thriving brand and business Welcome back to my wedding season, the podcast. Spring is here and I am so excited to finally see flowers blooming all over the place because let's face it, we are all done with winter, right? And this week, I have yet another amazing guest joining me on the podcast. Kat Ekoboom-White is a British photographer, ski instructor, hiking guide, and certified coach living in the Austrian Alps. After starting her photography business, Wild Connections Photography in 2015, She quickly realized that traditional weddings weren't her thing. She created a super niche elopement photography brand that specializes in creating, guiding, and capturing multi-day elopement experiences for her clients around her favorite corner of the Alps. In this episode, Kat talks to us about how she was able to continuously niche down in her business and how photographers can do the same. We talk about the benefits of niching, including the beauty of working with clients that align closely with your values and being able to charge premium prices. I am so excited to have PickTime on board as a sponsor for this episode. If there's one thing all of us wedding photographers can benefit from, it is a way to keep making our workflow more efficient and streamlined. I'm always looking for ways to optimize the way that I work, but know that there's still areas of my business that need some improvement. For example, I recently spent hours upon hours updating my website with blogs from my 2022 weddings. Ideally, it would have been done a few months back before the booking season started, but I just didn't get around to it. The truth is I've been stuck in the classic way of blogging, which is tedious and time consuming. I would go through the wedding gallery, choose my favorites, get them approved by my clients, upload them to the back end of my website, and then start creating blog posts from scratch. Sure, I know that there are softwares that exist that help make the process faster and easier, but I just have resisted signing up for yet another subscription. I'm willing to bet that I'm not the only one who feels this way. That is why I'm so glad that PicTime is now integrating blogging into their professional and advanced plans. Now we can use PickTime not only to deliver beautifully designed galleries and slideshows to our clients, as well as to provide them with the options to purchase prints from the store, but we can also directly create blogs that we can integrate into our websites. On top of that, the blogs are quick and easy to make as well as SEO optimized. I mean, talk about it being a game changer. If you're eager to also optimize your blogging workflow, upgrade to a professional or advanced plan, and make sure that you use the affiliate code IDA A-I-D-A, so you can get one month free. Now, without any further ado, let's start this episode with Kat. Enjoy. Kat, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's such a pleasure to have you on here, finally. I'm so excited about it. I know. I'm so excited, too. Like I feel like I've known you for
1: ages. Yeah. We've had like the odd chat and things, um, but yeah, this is really cool to kind of be here and, and do something, so I want to say more officially, but it's
0: just yeah. another chat, right? It's just another <laughs> chat. Um, yeah, I mean, our paths crossed in the most random of ways, I guess, you yeah. know, more through Tim and you guys met in Iceland on that workshop, oh, if yes. I can track it back. Do you know what? Yeah,
1: that's true. It was through Tim originally. yeah. I have totally
0: forgotten that. <laughs> and he's out of the picture now and it's just us girls. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, he's cool. He says hi. I had him step out of the office for this recording, but he says hi. Oh, cool. Hi back. <laughs> cool. All right. So I know everything about you, at least your business or some things. But for the uh-huh. listeners, if you can just kind of if we can start a little bit back from you moving from England to Austria and how you got into photography. Let's just give people a little bit of a background and then we'll get deeper into the whole topic.
1: Okay yeah it's always it's such a long story that I'm like okay let's get the important bits in without making it last for an hour. So from yeah yeah, so I'm from England my accent gives gives me away usually Um, but I live here just outside Innsbruck in Austria and I originally moved to Austria it was just a temporary thing to do a ski season um awful job but loved being in Austria it was like I found my home so that led me to go and become a ski and snowboard instructor and so I was doing a couple of years in I would do the winters the northern winters here in Austria and then I'd go to Australia or New Zealand in the summer did that for a little bit which led me to meeting my husband who is yeah. also not Austrian. He's Dutch. Um, oh, I didn't know that part. I always oh, assumed he was that. Austrian. Okay, new Yeah, no. My my husband is Dutch, but we met as ski instructors, um, and we decided to move to Innsbruck for his studies, which was, I think now I think it's been probably almost twelve years. Um, wow. since that that started that adventure. And so that's kind of how we got here. But at the time I wasn't a photographer. I didn't own a camera. I had no idea. Um my husband's an architect, he's quite creative. So he had a camera and would sort of take photos when we went away. And it used yeah. to really annoy me how long it would take him to co- do compositions of things. Um, hey, right, right. <laughs> now now the shoes on the other foot. Um but yeah, I had no really interest in photography for me. It was just all about being outside, being in the mountains. So I was a ski instructor for a few years. Um In the summers, I was working in tourism um, as a a tour rep for an English travel company who were bringing people over here to the mountains. And it was only when we were planning our wedding that Mm -hmm. I even kind of started to think about wedding photography. And it became, even though it was nothing that was ever on my mind before, it became this thing that was the most important thing for me for our wedding. Um, and I found myself getting really emotionally drawn into these photos of like other people's days being captured in these moments and I was like wow this is I don't know why I don't know what it is but this really speaks to me so after our wedding I was like I'm gonna buy a camera to take on our honeymoon and I'm gonna become a wedding photographer and oh, so it was decided for you before you got the camera <laughs> Uh, Yeah, pretty much. The camera was like, okay, well, the first step if I want to become a wedding photographer is I need to buy a camera. Right. Um and so I threw myself into the University of YouTube Mm. and all these other online courses and blog posts. And I was like, I'm just gonna learn to do it. Uh did a couple I did, I think I was looking at earlier, I think my first two, two and a half, because one of them was just like a civil ceremony like weddings I shot for free. I just posted in like these brides Facebook groups, like I'm learning to be a photographer. yeah. And can I come and shoot your wedding? Because basically on the uh, disclaimer, I've got no idea what I'm doing. (laughs) But if you don't have a photographer, then can I do it?
0: So good, Um, like give us a year because that frames it in our heads, like to kind of place what's happening in the industry at that point.
1: Absolutely. So our wedding was August, 2014 okay yeah and I bought the camera to go on our honeymoon which was in November of 2014 okay I hear. so it was in early 2015 that I started kind of putting out there can I come and shoot your weddings for free um and then I did a couple for free so I wasn't really a photographer I was like right okay I need to get a website I'm gonna make this official so I went down to our local chamber of Chamber of Commerce and registered to be a photographer as a business in October of
0: 2015. Yeah, wow. Yeah, that's when like actually things were also booming in the industry, right? And like a lot was happening also on Facebook. 2015 is that. Facebook
1: how- was was big definitely back then right um Instagram I don't think was really a thing or it, it may be just was launching But it because was... that's
0: leading us to 2016 where you know all the big names were yeah. coming to the surface right it,
1: but yeah it was it was certainly for me uh, Instagram was somewhere where you put these weird filters on your photos yeah
0: and... for me too I was slow to get on it <laughs> oh
1: okay. yeah me too I I'm I'm in some things I'm happy to adopt it early but a lot of the things I kind of learned as I was picking it up, I I've man- managed to find a community, which is really nice as I was learning. Yeah, And I was always very wary of some of these new things. So like Instagram, mm-hmm. um, Oh gosh, there was occasionally there was these things that would pop up. Um, that would promise to be like the new Facebook. And then six months later they were gone. And I think right. I did one or two of those. And then I was like, I'm not doing that anymore. <laughs> I'm going to wait at least six months to see if these things stick around before yeah. I actually get on there. Um, but yeah, I just kind of started playing mm-hmm. around. I was mostly doing like just local stuff here. Um, But I found it really stressful, actually. Like I'm not a native German speaker. I was yeah. speaking German back then, mm-hmm. uh, a lot less confidently than I am now. And certainly when it came to people's wedding days, I was so worried that I would misunderstand something. Um, oh,
0: yeah.
1: And like when it was just me and the couple, it wasn't too bad. But even then, like directing, I was like, oh, this is a bit bit kind of stressful and then family photos oh my god having like 20 people and me trying to yell at them in German and I was like what if I'm saying the wrong things or I for me it was like what if I offend somebody so I found it really really stressful and I also just didn't like being in these big groups of people and I happened to I like so on my blog I didn't have a whole lot to blog about because I was just shooting a few local weddings and I didn't really want to post so much of that So I was also blogging about like my life and like what we were doing, like places we were skiing, my life as a ski instructor. Mm. And this girl reached out to me from England and she was like, I see you've been a ski instructor in Meyerhofen and you're a wedding photographer. Like we're thinking of getting married there. And like, we'd love to know more about wedding, getting wedding photos. And I was like, this sounds amazing.
0: Yeah,
1: Like this sounds like my dream. Like it's an English couple. They want to get married Here in the mountains, they want to be on the ski slopes. They want to ski on their wedding day. I was like, this doesn't get better. So that kind of was that first little seed in my mind that like, it didn't just have to be the church weddings of the locals.
0: Yeah. It
1: could be something different. And so it was after that moment that I was like, I only want to work with destination couples. Yeah. And everyone I knew, because pretty much everyone I knew was either in the industry here or from other like industries. A lot of my friends were in the industries in the UK
0: Mm -hmm. because that's
1: just where they lived. It was like, right. Yeah. But is there a market for that? Like, is, is that like loads of people were like, I'm not sure. And I was like, well, I'm just going to put it out there. That's what I want to do. So I'm only going to do my website in English. I'm going to stop trying to do German. Yeah. And I made some friends with a couple of wedding planners. Cause I was like, okay, well maybe these, some of these couples would possibly go to a wedding planner first. Mm -hmm. And, it was through a wedding planner that I knew that I got the first elopement which I think was 2016 okay um and that was really it was just the couple their two best friends and then me and the wedding planner for the day and we hiked up to this beautiful mountain chapel they said their vows there um and then we just kind of Explored around for a bit. We we drove past a field of sheep, and the bride was so excited. She asked the planner if we could pull over, and ask the farmer if we could go and take pictures with his sheep. Okay. Oh, um. So yeah. we did, and yeah, at the end of the day, we all just went and had dinner together, and yeah. it was just the most wonderful, relaxing day. And mm-hmm. from all of the, like, kind of more stressy traditional weddings that I'd done, this was one of the first weddings where I'd just seen the couple just be able to fully express themselves. And be so immersed in the day yeah. that that was another cementing thing of like, that I only want to do this. Um, but it took still, I think, probably two years before I had kind of the guts to say, no, I'm only doing this. Um, yeah. So there was a lot of dabbling in between of me, like putting those messages out there of like, I want to work with couples in the mountains. But there wasn't any kind of clear definition. So I would still sometimes have these bigger weddings. But they'd just be in like one of these mountain restaurants or something. But there was still like 80, 90 people there. And I was like, oh, the scenery is nice. But something about this isn't quite there. Exactly. And yeah, I think think it's around like 2018 towards the end of that year. Mm -hmm. Where I really kind of just went, no, this is what I'm doing from now on. I'm not taking these things that I don't want to do. It has to be... In my definition, it has to feel adventurous, the wedding day. yeah. And to be honest, from that point, I've just got smaller and smaller and smaller in my offer, and it's yeah. still shrinking.
0: Yeah, and I mean, now what I've seen is you're actually only focusing in the area where you live, right? At least the Dalmites. Yes there and like you actually used to take allotments a bit further out let's say like the Faroe Islands or something Mm -hmm. um so what was that decision for you was it because of the pandemic to go back to like keeping local or speak to that to kind of like because now you're even more niche as the years progress right just like yeah how does that go there was
1: two big driving factors in that making that decision yeah. Um, one of them was when I was doing these destination weddings in other places it was it was amazing I loved it
0: mm-hmm. but I
1: always had in the back of my mind the experience couples when they come to me in the Alps yeah. like how how well I know the areas how I know so many different people here how if something goes wrong I can just if you know she gets the dress out and finds out that it needs steaming I, I can take a steamer i know where the seamstress is like literally yeah. anything that happens we can fix it um that i know so many different backup ideas for trails and things and when i was going overseas to places even if it was places where i'd been two three times before mm-hmm. there was still that thing of i don't know it like a local
0: right. And
1: even if i've been here two or three times before even in those like for the Faroe islands for example i had been I think once like almost every year but so many things had changed because of the evolution and the growth of tourism there there was trails that you used to be able to hike on that you couldn't anymore things that you had to pay for um that used to be just free to to go to and I was like this it's just so hard to keep track of and I was like the local people here know it the best So that was one of the big things of kind of going, how can I serve my couples best and be the, be the expert that they deserve.
0: Yeah.
1: And that was, I stay in the areas that I know. And the second big part of that was really my conscience and my climate anxiety. Mm -hmm. So where we live, I, our house has a view onto a glacier at the end of the valley.
0: Yeah.
1: And that glacier is usually got a kind of a snow covering on it all year round. And especially last year. So the, this, this winter is also not, it's been terrible, but oh, last yeah, winter was bad that. as well.
0: Mm-hmm. So last
1: winter was really bad. And a lot of the glaciers didn't have enough of, in German, they call it the Fien. So it's like, right. I think the English is maybe like sort of the permafrost, like the la- layer of snow that just covers the, the glacier, that protects it throughout the spring and then by the summer it melts a bit but it's enough to kind of help slow the melting of the glaciers right and the glacier at the end of our valley that we we can see every day it had no snow on it it was just ice yeah and for us it was just like that's just ice and obviously we had such a hot summer we did yeah
0: that i
1: was like that's just melting that's going to be gone like and that's something for us like that is so important here is having these incredible natural features that for us, yes, they're our playground, but they're just, they're just wonders. Like they're mm-hmm. so incredible to see whenever I'm near them, I just feel so tiny. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, I don't want to be contributing to one of the hugest reasons why these things are disappearing. Yeah. Um, So I was like, I'm I'm not going to say that I'm never going to fly anywhere again. Like my family lives overseas. And so, yeah, sometimes we fly. Sometimes if we're going on holiday, we will fly. I was like, but I don't need to be flying these short trips across Europe for work. Yeah. When also I know there's somebody who's in those locations who is more of an expert than I am that can serve these couples better. So it all kind of linked in together
0: really it totally makes sense and I mean the thing is we can't do everything perfectly right but whatever wherever we say we can reduce our carbon footprint or anything like that and when all of us can do a little bit you know because what we've done as a humanity like we actually it's not abstract the whole climate change and everything we're actually seeing it live in front of our eyes outside our windows like you you know and um it's so crazy and I I just love that you took that firm stand because it takes also guts to make these kind of you know put your foot (laughs) down and say okay that's the line this is how I'm gonna do it and you know niching down is such a topic like for a lot of people Mm -hmm. you know I mean we can take the bigger umbrella of niching down as a photographer is like you niche down as a wedding photographer or you know yeah. Or open oh, photographer, but for you it's like you've also kind of created your own niche where you are, right? And it was a process to get there.
1: It was absolutely a process, it was a journey for me. And I feel like each time it's peeling back layers. So yeah. it wasn't for me as well, it wasn't that kind of going in 2018, okay. I only want to shoot adventurous stuff. Yeah. There was so many steps to it. So it was okay, I only want to shoot adventurous. And then it was like, okay, I only want to shoot adventurous, but within a certain size of wedding. And then for a couple of years, that size of how big I would take would get smaller. Right. Um, And then the more recent ones have been things like, okay, I'm going to take out all of the non-wedding stuff. So I'm taking out engagement shoots, honeymoon shoots, couple Mm. shoots, all of that. I'm only doing the weddings. Wow. And then I went to, I'm not doing half days anymore. It's only full days or it's only multiple days. Right. And then the latest one was the, or around the same time was the, I'm not doing destinations anymore. I'm saying, mm. For me, it's I kind of, it's a rough thing of like a three hour radius from where I live. For me, that's my sort of home bubble.
0: Yeah, I get you. And I mean, yeah. that's also plays really into positioning yourself in the market, right? Your brand position is just, cut and clear like even when someone comes to your website they know what they're getting and like what I love is what I feel like you've added recently is like that you're also a certified um hiking guide right yes yeah that was a big
1: a big challenge a big personal goal for me last year um Mm -hmm. wasn't easy especially because everything is in German
0: oh yeah only
1: non-native speaker there and you're learning you're learning about weather systems and all the mountain um So many things. I only know the German terms for them, like all the you know the hazards of being in the mountains and all of these things. You're learning it all in German, but it was something as well that was just that extra thing of it's important to me, but it's also Mm -hmm. just enables me to offer an even deeper level of service to my couples.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's how I kind of when I went back to your website to look at it, I was just like, okay, I want to put myself in the shoes of a couple who's looking for a photographer, right? And I was looking to have an elopement, an adventurous uh, wedding. And obviously you are just separating yourself from any competition that you might have by all the things that you're just, you are the go-to person if that's what they're looking for, right? The more you kind of focus on these things, um, which also leads to, yeah, making your competition relevant, but I want to come around to pricing. Like, yeah. I can imagine doing all this has enabled you to charge more as yeah. the years progress. So if we can talk Absolutely. about that, because you know that's yes. what makes people nervous. So let's, <laughs> let's let's dive into that. I that's it is one of those things that I used to be really
1: uncomfortable talking at, about pricing,
0: mm-hmm. and then
1: I was like, if I'm uncomfortable about it, am I ashamed of my pricing? Like, is this? A, and then I was like, you can't be. So yeah. hit me any questions you have about pricing. I'm an open book and I love talking about
0: it. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, if we're all kind of offering a similar service, right? We're mm-hmm. a little bit capped, right? Yeah. In terms of, you know, if it's similar, like it's just kind of like if our work is a bit similar than our pricing, it's kind of like, it's harder to justify going way more up. But the more you feel like you've positioned yourself as an expert, a specialist, and you actually are bringing that added value people will be willing to pay for it. it's like at the end of the day it's like what's the market willing to pay right and I feel like that's what's happened in your case that Mm -hmm. like you know when they know okay no matter what like I know you don't you you're not saying you're planning your couple's Mm -hmm. weddings because that's something different but you actually assist in planning right and mm-hmm. they can believe you when you say that because you really know the local vendors, you know the area, you know everything, which would just make more sense going with someone like you, as you know, for that kind of elopement. You know, in terms of someone like me, let's say at the Lake of Constance, I would stumble about, like, I can take the photos, but I can't help them plan their elopement as well. And then it's worth paying. that service so if you can just talk about you know your pricing how that changed and how you go about it that'll that'll be useful for for everyone (laughs) who's listening
1: (laughs) yeah I mean I wouldn't say there was a really particular system as such it was Mm -hmm. just that kind of thing of kind of it's constantly reminding myself or making myself identify what makes me different to what everyone else is offering right um and it wasn't as well that thing of, okay, well, I'll just wait until I've got this. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm putting the prices up because I believe I have something that other people don't. So yeah. even right from the start, when I was doing the skiing weddings, mm-hmm. uh, when I, after the first one, I was like, no, this is a thing that I can offer. I, you right. know, I used to be a ski instructor. I can ski backwards and take photos at the same time. There's so many like, yeah. There's not so many people that can do that or the, or the difference is there maybe are other people that can do that there's not as many people who would go do you know what I'm going to put that on my website and say this is this is what I do not necessarily I charge more because I can do these things but it's, in, it's sort of implied of like Truly. I can do this for you I can do this for you by the way here's my prices yeah and it's, it's just being able to go in and and just know for yourself first what mm-hmm. you offer that is that thing that's different from yeah all the other people that you consider to be your competition and everyone has something but a lot Mm -hmm. of people for I think different reasons are kind of or they shy away from actually claiming that and saying it's not saying other people aren't amazing at what they do it's saying yeah everyone else is amazing too but this is what I do that makes me amazing that's maybe different from those other people that you've looked
0: at totally i see you yeah, yeah i think it's just this kind of uncertainty of like okay um are there enough couples willing to to book these packages to, you know it's like what a lot of people have so in your case also like um i mean you definitely do seem to have the inquiries and the bookings to have a profitable sustainable business that keeps you going but i think until you get into that or for people it's just kind of like is there actually a market for that and how am i reaching those people specifically like how are you reaching those couples is it really because you have your seo game so right or is it couples you've worked with before are really like singing your praises what's working for you like what's keeping it going
1: for me it's seo Mm, yeah. It's SEO, and then when people find me, they yeah. so and I always ask every couple for feedback as soon as they've booked me. Yeah, I ask why did you book me above anyone else because I'm not oblivious mm-hmm. to the fact that they will have looked at other photographers. Yeah, I don't sure. exist in a bubble. Right, <laughs> um, and the thing that comes back over and over again: yes, it's your personality. They're like, we think we'd have a really great time together. Mm-hmm. But, personality is really important but there's also that thing of like they probably would have got on with quite a few of the other photographers too
0: um
1: but a big one for me is like you you just also just seemed to us to really know the area you seem to come across Mm -hmm. as an expert yeah and the bonuses we think we'd have an awesome time together yeah um so yeah that that's how they and and they're finding me yeah through google and they're kind of They generally will look at my website, look at a few of the articles that I've written and be like, okay, yeah. Then they'll look at some of the photos just Mm -hmm. to check I can take photos. Exactly. Um, But it's more like, it's for my knowledge and that is mostly found through organic search.
0: That's exactly Um, what I thought because I mean, the thing is you've put the hard work in. Like, you know, this did not happen overnight. All like the copy on your website that's the other thing about niching down is you can be more specific in how you write to that type of couple, right? Which um, just for the listeners, I just want to take a little excerpt from your website just to show how you've written some of the copy where I feel yeah. like people coming on, reading it are going to be like, yes, that's me, right? Mm-hmm. Um, First, I'll just start off with like, the header when you know you come on so your website is wild connections photography let me just put that out there which everything is going to be linked in the show notes anyway uh, for love and adventure start your new life together in a setting more breathtaking than any wedding venue which is great but I want and then obviously you're positioning yourself as you know Austrian ops and dolmice elopement photographer and hiking guy we already talked about that that just really kind of you know, that's your brand positioning for me. And, you know, it's um it's stuff like this that I just really love. You've written. The truth is you feel happiest when you're outside in nature. In the mountains, you feel the safe from the pressures and expectations of others. You feel free to be yourselves and celebrate in a way that's truly in enlightenment with who you are. No expectations, no drama, right? And mm-hmm. I was just like, yes, you're able to write so specifically because you've niched down to this point, not in terms of just like where you are, but the type of couples you're trying to attract.
1: Yeah. And right. I'll, I'll give you a secret behind some of that copy mm-hmm. is that's okay. actually taken from a quote from, um, some questions that I asked my couples after their elopement.
0: Oh, yes.
1: So why did you okay. choose to get married?
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: And I think that one particularly is kind of an amalgamation, like a pacing together of a few different quotes from why my couples have tried to get married. But for me, it was really important, not just to use my words, but also to use the words from the people who are actually there and doing it, who have been, you know, this is close to those moments when they've had to make that decision. Do we want a big wedding or do we want to just elope? And why do we want to elope? And so that's I think that is one of the most valuable resources that you can have for inspiration for your business is to just get that right from as in English you'd say right from the horse's mouth (laughs) yes Um, yes. but to actually ask your couples to to explain to you why they want to do it Um, and I think that's really important when you are kind of honing in on your niche especially for example now with elopements Mm-hmm. For me, I don't even see elopements as a niche anymore. I see it as a speciality within an industry. Yeah,
0: like it's true.
1: three, four years ago, yes. Like mm-hmm. when I started with elopements, no one even really called them elopements. Right. Um, it was just a wedding for two. Like oh. it was just, or you know, a, a wedding, just the two of us. Yeah. Um, we want to just say our vows. And, and now we we call it an elopement and that's become kind of the accepted, redefined term of an elopement. But at the time it was like, well, what does anyone even call this? Um yeah. you know, and it's had so many names, but it was easier for me when I did the website because there wasn't so much, but I think it's so mm-hmm. much harder now, especially for people who are interested in the elopement photography, yeah. um, like specialty, that there are so many around that it's hard to really pick out exactly who is your audience who are the people that you really should be working with because you can serve them like nobody else can and the best way to find the words to express that is to ask those clients that you've worked with who were those absolute dream the ones that you wish you could clone and work with over and over again
0: 100 you know uh, when we first started my husband and I like Number one, we barely ever ask for like even testimonials or ask- if they say something, it's just like, oh, thanks, wonderful pictures, whatever. And then I just, Ugh. I don't know. Well, it's been a long road knowing how to go about these things, at least for me. You know, but one thing I learned along the way is um, it is number one, vital to ask for a testimonial, right? And mm-hmm. even really having thought out questions and it's just it serves so many purposes number one just also like you said how you formulate the copy on your website right but even for those parts where you are going to post snippets of a testimonial on your website that you actually want it to be really meaningful like it's not meaningful when they say she was great and took amazing photographs yeah. you
1: know no, no you have to know how to ask the right questions yeah. to get the answers that you want
0: exactly so I just love that you integrate that into your copy it was to the point that I thought oh maybe she really got an awesome copywriter but it looks like you're doing your own copy which is great like kudos to that and writing copy is not easy writing copy that's also getting you ranked on google is <laughs> not easy
1: so Yeah, really it's cool. true. And funnily enough, I did hire a copywriter. And in the end, I barely used a single thing of what they wrote. Oh, because geez. for me, they wrote some really great things.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But for me, it didn't sound and it didn't feel like me, it didn't feel like the things I would say. And it didn't feel like the things that my clients would say, because they just, right. the copywriter, she was great. But she wasn't kind of in the world that I live in and that my clients live in um she'd had a more traditional wedding she was like yeah I like being in the outdoors but it was like yeah there's being in the outdoors and then there's revolving your entire life around it yeah um and so like I kept a few things but I was like yeah do you know what okay Mm -hmm. but it also gave me real confidence in using my own voice and knowing because it made me initially or instantly go yeah no that's not right Mm -hmm. um I get you and then I, I totally get as well the struggle of, like you said, it's not just writing content that res- resonates with your clients. It's also got to be good for SEO. Yeah. And I remember like the huge struggles that I've had. And I know some of my coaching clients have this too of like the, I think the book by Donald Miller, Building a Story Brand, is incredible. Mm-hmm. I have it, love it. But, but yes, there's there's the thing of fun. like, do I build my website to follow that framework mm-hmm. or? Because as well, SEO is evolving all the time. What would be an amazing homepage if you want to have the best optimized thing for SEO? The two don't go together. So then you're like, do I do it that way? Do I do it that way? How do I find a way to kind of bring them together? Mm -hmm. And it can be so hard. It really
0: is hard, you know, because like I would love to use like my headers, you know, the H2, whatever, for saying something wonderful and, you know, capturing them but then i'm like you know <laughs> yoast or whatever seo thing is like use your keyword here <laughs> you know and yeah. um i think you have to see i mean the other way is the blog posts or even like you are writing a lot of guides and stuff and that can be the driver of seo that brings them to the website so i'm not sure exactly how you go about it but i can imagine like not only do these guides really show you as an expert give valuable information, but those guides can be optimized um, for the search engines.
1: And they are. It's Mm -hmm. really, my homepage isn't usually where people would enter my website. I wouldn't Um, think so. It's usually where after they've been on a blog post, maybe clicked around a couple of blog posts, that they then often don't even click to the homepage. They'll click to the info and pricing page. So the homepage actually doesn't get as much use as a lot of people think it does. Um, And you absolutely can optimize it, but you're often better going, putting the effort into the content because that is where people are more likely to stumble across you.
0: Exactly. And that way, but like your homepage might not get as many clicks, but for the ones who go over it and see it, that's kind of where I think they can say, oh yeah, she's the right one for us. Mm -hmm. right because it has all that information they need to kind of like and the images are beautiful like there's so many gorgeous ones and uh I mean your work has also been featured in places so that's that's also great and I'm sure it gives you like the exposure um hopefully also that leads to business you know um as, as nice as it is you never know
1: yeah to be honest I when I was starting in the industry I thought exposure equaled people coming knocking at your door no. and to be honest it doesn't
0: for me in the, the beginning it did really, I think for some people like way when it you know wedding blogs and stuff kind of started yeah. I know from photographers who who were around then and they yeah. really did you know yeah, yeah there now. was
1: some big blogs um but for me I still still will submit for features I still will submit to awards and the main thing is for the PR and for the 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 backlinks because that will always still send authority to my website absolutely we love them backlinks always backlinks are the gold that no one appreciates they're they're so important they really Um, are yeah Yeah. there's kind of that invisible thing that you need you kind of just overlook
0: yeah no I hear you but okay what does like uh, does social media play a, a good role for you or are you like SEO is the way like I love SEO? Um, but like how does that play into your business for you? Is it just to have a, a presence for people looking? Pretty much. Um, yeah.
1: I have a presence. I don't run my um, mm-hmm. photography social media account. I have mm-hmm. someone who does that for me. Okay. And we both agreed or I kind of said to her, look this isn't where my clients find me. Right. Once they've booked or they, during the booking process, usually if once they know they're going to book me, they will also follow me. Yeah. Or if I'm on the short list, they may start following me, but they don't discover me there. And so I very much use that to just keep showing that I'm still in business, just to mm-hmm. kind of put all those inspiration things out there. And also just to show the, like, especially in my stories, just like me and behind the scenes and what it's yeah. kind of give people more of an impression of what it's like to work with me rather than just those Created images of you know using it as a portfolio it for me that's not kind of how it works yeah like, it's not something I put really much effort into mm-hmm. it funny things like I have TikTok but I've logged on there maybe twice <laughs> in a year but I have someone it's who's there. always posting stuff on there and I was like oh yeah I post stuff on here too yeah great <laughs> that's amazing. so
0: do you have like a VA that uh, that you
1: work with Um, She's not a VA, she specifically does social media. Um, And when I choose who I work with, when I'm outsourcing things, obviously, my editing is different. But Mm -hmm. like for my social media, the same with when I did my um, website and my branding a few years back now, I think that was... Oh, it was 2020, just before the pandemic. Threw loads of money into it, and then went. Oh no,
0: lovely. Oh. <laughs> but
1: yeah, I had my I had my branding redone in 20, maybe 2019, and then
0: mm-hmm.
1: to to get a new website in 2020. And for me, because again, because of the clients I'm in, because of the industry that I'm in, I don't look for outsourcing or working with other people who are in the wedding industry. I don't mm-hmm. want anyone who's been anywhere near the wedding <laughs> industry mm-hmm. because I don't want. At the time, like, you know, when I first started, it was pastels and watercolour logos and yeah. then the geometric logos. Mm-hmm. And there was all these trends. And I was like, I don't want this to look like it's been anywhere near a wedding industry. So it was the same with my social media manager. Um, we connected. Um, mm-hmm. She, I, I kind of posted that I was looking for someone and through an old friend, like she was recommended and we connected and she is someone who works with a lot of like outdoor initiatives to raise money for charities and things. Um, but mm. she's a very active and outdoorsy person. So I was like, you don't need to know anything about weddings because my clients don't know anything about weddings either. I was like, yeah, that's so. why they come to me. So, so like you can just use, you know, use the uh, information yeah. I've already got and just put it together and, and make content. And she was like, brilliant. And yeah. we, we kind of touch base every now and then, but mm-hmm. because social media is not really a focus, I just let her go on with her thing. Makes sense. And sometimes I'll look at things and be like, oh yeah, I probably wouldn't have posted that image, but you chose it. So there must be a reason why you chose that image. So great, just roll with it. And so it's actually been really good for me to just let it go and and not kind of micromanage different things.
0: Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Focus where your focus is needed. That totally makes sense to me. No, perfect. Mm. I mean, okay, we... uh, you, you talked about how you found yourself here into this niche, how we got here, but there are photographers out there probably wondering, I need a niche. I have no idea where to start, but what I'm doing now is just not working. Like, do you have any advice to kind of maybe purposefully, intentionally, systematically go about it where they're like, okay, I want a niche down. How am I going to do this?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And there's sort of different angles that you can start to, I, I kind of look at it as almost like chipping away around the sides at what you've got mm-hmm. um, so that you've got this big rough stone, but you're chipping away to get to your diamond.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so there's the things that you can look at. So exactly where you are and what you're doing in your business right now, mm-hmm. you can ask yourself questions like, you know, where does my kind of the fire, my passion really go to? Right. Because um, there will be things that you're doing that you love, things that you love less so than yeah. others. Yeah. Um, And so it's not even not just the types of things that you're shooting, but the types of clients that you're working with.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: get really specific. So if you're like if you just had, you know, a couple that you worked with that they were everything about them and their day was amazing. Try and get really specific and hone down. What was it about that that I loved? And would I want to replicate that over and over again. So that's one of the angles that you take. Yeah. And then the other one is to kind of sit down and go okay well what is that unique thing that I bring to the table? What is the way that I see things that no one else does or you know the way that I approach how I work that no one else does. Um what what are those yeah really unique things about me and it's often not just about what you do as a photographer, but it's often so ingrained in your story as well.
0: Yeah.
1: So really just sitting there, what is my story? What did I do before I was a photographer? When I was a kid, what were the things I daydreamed about? What did I play, you know, play role, role play? Yeah, role (laughs) play. Yeah. You know, what were the things that I, you know, did I build? You know, I mean, yeah, it's a, a
0: bit too far. self-reflection. But it's,
1: like... So much self-reflection and just yeah. kind of looking and thinking, what are those, often there's key themes, even when you're a child and you're playing on things, there's key themes that sometimes just come back into things, even if it's like, so for me, it's these key themes of like doing my own thing, not doing when mm-hmm. I look back at my story.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I, even though I was not a rebellious child, But I was always doing things that were kind of different to what a lot of other people did. Okay.
0: Can you give Um, us an example, maybe?
1: Yeah. Um, (laughs) I can give you a couple. So uh, when I was really young, and again, this wasn't me as such, this was just my family, but when I was at primary school, um, we lived in this little village primary school, and everyone's parents would come to meet them at the school gates in the afternoon. And sometimes my mum would come with the horse. Oh. And she'd pick me up on the horse and I'd ride home on the horse. <laughs> um, and so when, I, when I was a teenager, so when I was sort of 14, 15, 16 years old, well, you know, lots of the girls were into, at that time it was take that, I hated take that <laughs> at the time. <laughs> now I think they're great. Sure. Um, but back then I was like, oh God, no, all, all the, for me it was all, all the bitchy girls at school like them, I wanted to be a pilot in the air force and I was in the air cadets so I was one of like three or four girls in a squadron of air cadets with loads of boys Mm -hmm. and it was kind of that thing I never really thought about it at the time that I was kind of doing things that were different to uh, Mm -hmm. air quotes most people right right but when I look back at my story it was always I wasn't trying to be different I was just following the things that kind of led my curiosity or my interests. yeah yes. Um and so that really is reflected in where I am now. And and everyone has these stories but if you don't kind of sit and look at them and think like you know what is unique about me and what I bring to the table. Um
0: yeah. and that's the you, well you, right? yeah, you stay true, right? When you stay true to yourself then you have that longevity, right? You're not yeah. going to burn out, you're not going to start hating it. So like I think it's so important to probably also just really look at your values, right, and see 100%. that like, it's aligning with what you do, and especially with, like, this creative field of photography and, you know, running such a business. It's definitely. Yeah.
1: and if you're building your niche around you and your story, and even when you're looking at what things do I love to do the most, what couples do I love to work with the most, it still comes back to you and your values and your personality because you yeah. will love – working with those people who share those values and it also means that you're building your niche not around a certain industry but you're building it around you yeah so that if things because every it's a journey it evolves so as you move through maybe now you're a wedding photographer Mm -hmm. and you build your business around you and the brand of you and then five years down the line you actually want to transition more into families and births or you know another form of photography and move out of out of the weddings and more into something else your brand is still built around you so it won't be Mm -hmm. this real kind of harsh line of okay now I'm going to change and everything has to look different yeah it can it can just evolve from one to the other and it's just so much easier than kind of going yeah okay I'm done with that right have to start from scratch
0: Totally makes sense. And is this the type of stuff you cover? Like, I know you have coaching programs. There's a four month thing that you do, like talk about like people want to go deeper and actually really take the step to niche down. What do you offer? So
1: I have just launched a new lead magnet, which is just a free mini course of Mm -hmm. just kind of introducing people to the idea of, of niching. And I mean, everyone's heard of niching, but this is kind of my, my method, my brand of niching. Um, And sort of a really good way to kind of, I kind of think of it as like just dipping your toes in the water. Like you can answer some questions, watch a couple of videos and go, okay, right. You know, this is something I'm, I'm ready to throw myself into because I Mm -hmm. think everyone should niche their business.
0: Yeah,
1: Um, And then for the people that actually go like, hell yes. Okay. I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. that's what my four-month program is kind of designed for because as I found from my own journey Mm -hmm. it's terrifying to suddenly go I'm not doing that anymore I'm not working with these people anymore
0: yeah there's
1: a lot of there's a lot of methodical work that needs to happen of like okay right Instagram I have to do this I have to do that I have to change the website but there's so much mindset that comes with it yeah that you just For me, it's giving people that support to go. Okay, right, we're here for the strategy, be strategy, but we're also here for those days when you're like, "Can I even do this?" (laughs) Freaking out, like I can't say no to a booking. It's like you can and you will. Um, and and getting to what's on the other side of that, which is just this amazing freedom Mm -hmm. and having just the chance to say no to everything that you don't want to do, and just only work with the couples you want to work with only do the types of shoots that you want to do and mm-hmm. there's just so much power in
0: that absolutely I mean you did mention um turning away work that's not really aligned with your niche brand that yeah. you're going to can you touch up on that because I know from Facebook groups I've been in in the past it scares people they don't know how to do it gracefully they don't know what to say they <laughs> a tip or two. (laughs) I'll see if I can keep it to a
1: tip or two. So (laughs) I turn down about 70% of the inquiries that I receive. Um, Mm -hmm. I would say at least 70% and I do it confidently. Mm -hmm. And I still believe that that's part of the service that I offer is then actually taking an inquiry from a couple, because this is the hopefully one of the biggest days of their lives yeah it may not be the biggest day some people having their kids is the biggest day but it should be for most people it is at this point in their lives one of the biggest things they've ever done
0: right
1: and so if they come to me and I read their inquiry and I'm just like oh, sounds nice mm. I'm I'm not um I'm not hell yes
0: Right.
1: And if it's hell, maybe for me, that's hell. No, it's not enough. And and it's not enough for them. Like mm. they also deserve better in my mind. Right. They deserve someone who reads that inquiry and is like, oh, my God, you sound like the perfect couple for me.
0: Right. Wow. Um,
1: and so I will then read their inquiry and I have a group of photographers that I, I have as a referral group. And if I know one of them is going to be absolutely perfect for that couple, mm-hmm. then I will write back to the couple and say, hey, what you're describing sounds so beautiful. It just doesn't quite align with the way I work. But okay. he is someone who I think would be the perfect match for you. You're going to have the best time with them. They're going to create this amazing elopement experience for you. Yes. And I send them off to that other photographer um, knowing that that photographer is going to be way better suited to them than I would be Makes sense. and then they get the best experience and I get to keep the space that I would have given to them free for the right couple coming to me yes and I know that they will come because I've been on the other side where I've gone oh I haven't had a booking in a month. Oh, this one doesn't sound great, but okay. Well, maybe I should just take it in case something doesn't come in.
0: Yeah. And you
1: take it, and then you get that email <laughs> from the couple that you desperately would have, been a dream. would have would have been a dream, and they can't change their date. And then you're like, <laughs> so I've I've done it. I have caved. I'm not saying that I'm perfect, right? Um, mm-hmm. but I learned the hard way. If you say yes to the ones that don't absolutely light you on fire, just because they're going to pay you you're shutting the door to those ones that maybe could have come in yeah that you then don't have the time the availability to to work with them
0: yeah but like you still have to have the confidence that they're coming in because I mean Mm -hmm. um I don't know how much you felt it but there is a bit of like uncertainty with some photographers who just haven't booked as many weddings at this point in time as they normally would have right so there's a little bit of this fear and like what advice do you have for these photographers who are just really looking hey okay all good I would love to have weddings that I love for the season but at this moment I just need some bookings like people who are in this space what what could you say to them oh I think there's two things I think there's also looking
1: at the industry Mm -hmm. and Also, like the economy, how it is now, and actually realizing that things change. So, especially if you've been a photographer since pre-pandemic, when the booking habits of people was 12, 18 months, two years ahead. Yeah. That's not the reality now. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are shortening those lead times of when they're starting to plan their wedding because there is that anxiety of kind of everyone got stuck during the pandemic of we've got something planned a year in advance and then that year comes and it can't happen so people and this is definitely a trend that is happening people are waiting till later on before Mm -hmm. they book so there's part of it is actually just kind of taking a step back and going am Mm -hmm. I freaking out for a a good reason Mm -hmm. or actually do I need to realize that the industry that people's habits are changing around me and that I kind of have to bear that in mind but then also just being proactive and saying okay well okay people are inquiring later but what can I do to make sure that when they're ready that they find me
0: yeah
1: and that I am the one that they want to work with because I'm the best person for them. So still working on your SEO, being present on social media, if that is where your audience
0: is. Fire, fire advice. And especially like I can imagine at the same time, maybe not thinking you're going to go super niche from one day to the next, but really kind of being more specific, narrowing things down and, you know, popping out from like the crowd right can you imagine niching a little bit more could be also really the right answer
1: I mean I believe that niching is in the long term it benefits everybody yeah but even if your first step towards even if you don't want to call it niching Mm
0: -hmm. is just
1: going back to your website your social media and actually asking yourself like completely honestly yeah how do people know what makes me different to mm-hmm. other photographers? Because so many people go, well, it, it's the way my, my photography style. And sometimes it can be. For yeah. instance, if you only shoot really kind of grainy, moody, black and right. white, and you never shoot color, then okay, maybe. Yeah. But for most clients booking a wedding, they can't tell these subtle differences that us as photographers say, well, that's they kind of don't a light see and that's like a cinematic, filmic, mm-hmm. they don't see any difference. I mean, I've had clients in my past who've sent me Pinterest boards of images and I'm like, you booked me, but my work looks nothing like that. But they yeah. don't see that. Right. And so it's just kind of your photography ego aside and going, well, it's they'll book me for my photography. I'm sorry to say that they probably that's a great byproduct, but yeah what's going to cinch you over someone else is probably not going to be that. So yeah, really just going back in these quiet months, if the bookings are, you know, a little bit slower right now going, yeah, why would someone book me over the person that I know is my biggest competitor? Mm -hmm. Am I stating on my website, in my social media, not I'm better than them because, but Mm -hmm. I do, I do this, you know, I see things this way. I, And you know, putting the cliches aside, but just being really honest and saying, you know, this is this is why I'm special at what I do. And people don't do that. It's so easy to hide behind the cliches of lover of light and a capturer of memories and love free free spirits. And it's like that's great, but that's I can give you 10 websites that have those words. What is your language? What is your different view of it? And, and that's really the best thing that you can do to be ready for when these people land on your website and are looking for who to, to move forward with.
0: I couldn't agree more. Uh, you hit it in the head like you formulated that so good. I agree 100%. And I think if people are really taking your advice seriously, like they're going to be ready. And it's just so important to know, like you said, you know, it's just that those lead times have really gotten shorter, but it doesn't mean you need to stop working. Even if we talked more focusing on that copy on your website, but of course, yes, refresh your gallery, your portfolio, make it up to date that matters still, but don't underestimate the words on your website. That's like, the takeaway.
1: Oh. yeah, yeah. It's it. and that's the thing. It's so counterintuitive for us as photographers to go. Yes. People don't book me because of my photos. So you're like, of course yes. they book me because of my photos. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, no, actually. No, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, we, you know, it's yeah. like we they book you because of you. Yeah, and the bonus that they get is you take really amazing photos as well.
0: That's that's amazing. Oh, Kat, where can people find you? Give us every single website that you want us to know about everything
1: <laughs> I couldn't give you every single one because I am a <laughs> overachiever with way too many different projects going on I
0: know I was checking <laughs> on all of the things even the wedding blog and stuff and I was like oh I don't think that's under you we are the wanderers um it used to be I sold it yeah it's sold um, off but and there I was
1: is like okay <laughs> there is a new project coming that is not ready to be announced yet but um in terms yeah. of me right now you have as you mentioned my wedding photography which is wild connections photography yeah super easy to find everywhere just put wild connection photography or instagram wild connections photo yeah. um but if you kind of are interested a little bit more on the other side of my business like I you know a, a lot of the things that I talk about from the the back end of my business are the strategies that I use for social media for blogging mm-hmm. um it's the Adventure Wedding Academy
0: yes
1: and um, what hopefully when this goes live, because it's <laughs> finishing touches right now, so we're going to say that it's live, um, is this mini course that I mentioned, which is on niching and just the first steps that you can take to to get get into your niche. Um, and that's adventureweddingacademy.com forward slash niche.
0: It's perfect. And there's so many resources on that website, so many blog posts that you've written over the years. I've visited a couple times more than a couple uh thank you so much for all that stuff that you put out there all the content you are just a force to be reckoned with kat i really <laughs> love to see what you're doing where things are taking you i love that i've seen your you know journey the past few years since i've seen you in the industry it's amazing yeah. and thank you for all that you shared today really really good stuff
1: love thank that. you i i've had just the best <laughs> time talking it just
0: feels like we're having a chat yeah <laughs> Um, that's what I say. My podcast is is just a good conversation. I'm always thinking people have a takeaway here or there, you know, because it's just everyone's so open who comes on and just shares so many good insights. Mm-hmm. So great. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for tuning into today's episode of my wedding season, the podcast. To be notified as soon as a new episode goes live, make sure that you subscribe. I'd love for you to write a comment or leave a review. Let me know what you want more of. For the show notes, head on over to www.wedding-photography-podcast.com. cheering you on and until next time.